what what's your list of kind of your highlight injuries been over your career? Low light. Yeah, the biggest thing. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing was uh, I broke my neck last year in 2020. Uh, first event in Madison Square Garden. Uh, collarbone, jaws, ankles, uh, ribs. I don't know. I mean, I've, there's the list could probably go on, but. This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold, American to the core. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode number 226. I'm Tim Chelsvik. I'm Matt Drury, and Tim is not in studio today. He's been a bad boy. For a good reason too. I am I'm quarantined, like legit quarantined at my house. I actually have COVID right now. Knucklehead. So I hope every I hope everyone has got like their masks on while they listen to this because I'd hate I'd hate for me to be the person that spread COVID. Just looking at you, I get the heebie jeebies. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in just a minute, we, we got some housekeeping to take care of, but I'm really excited because we've got a special guest. We got a professional bull rider, Cooper Davis, on who's going to be joining us talking about bow hunting and his life uh, and professional bull riding. So I, you know, it's this is I think this is a first for our show. So we're expanding our territory a little bit uh, with with our guests this week. Now was this so? This was uh, something that one of our listeners had recommended, right? He's a follower and fan of of Cooper's and, and wanted to kind of link the the two together. Yeah, one of our guys in the 100% Wild Podcast Crew Facebook group said, hey, you guys ought to talk to Cooper Davis. He's a big bow hunter, loves cats. He's got a cat. You should have him on. So, <laughs> Interesting. So he actually reached out to Cooper, and uh, Cooper's like, heck yeah, I'll do it. And, <clears throat> and so uh, so here we are. So it, it, it's cool to kind of have that organic grassroots. Like if our audience has people that they're interested in, want to reach out to, we'll definitely uh, give them a look because, uh, you know, it's interesting just to hear the different perspectives and the different places p- people are in the hunting world. Like it's not just like we're all in the hunting industry. We have friends and family in other sectors. So it's cool to have those kind of conversations. So that's what we're going to do. Today. Absolutely. So I look, I, I know that you're quarantined, but I've been seeing your posting on Instagram that you were dove. When were you dove hunting? Cause season just opened up a few days ago. You, 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 what you grilled them up last night. Look good. I'm yeah, jealous. Yeah. They, they were, they were awesome. Well, the crazy thing is like, I didn't realize I had COVID. I thought I had bronchitis. So I've been out hanging deer stands, like crawling around trees, walking up ridges. And it's taken me, so much extra time to do it because I'm so fatigued. Um, but I, I, I've got a farm down in Bourbon, Missouri that I um, that I hunt, and I, it's been a while since I've been down there to do anything with it. So I figured I'm gonna go try to hang a stand. And while I was down there, I brought my shotgun and hung out for some doves. And uh, I think I think I probably had opportunity at maybe ten. I think I brought home three. <laughs> but how many, uh, but uh, really how many shells did you shoot? <laughs> it's immaterial. Okay. I mean. So, so Tim and I just uh, not long before, maybe a week before that, we had this Winchester summit that we had attended and uh, over in Illinois and uh, Tim got a little target practice over there. So I assume that you were three for three and, and uh, <laughs> every shell that was used Let's hit its intended that. target. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, 
I don't shoot my shotgun a whole lot. Like, and, and I used to, I used to do a lot more wing shooting and, and I forgot how much fun it was. So I was glad I literally took like 30 minutes there at the end of my day to, to stand uh, on a ridge and just wait, you know, it was, it was near a power line um, and uh, waiting for doves to come flying by back to roost. And uh, it was, it was a ton of fun. And yeah, so I bacon wrapped them. I, I actually marinated them in Desi Italian overnight then bacon wrapped them and put them in our new air fryer for nine minutes. It was awesome. Even Beth liked it. Uh, if, if when the wife actually eats it, that's, that's when it was <laughs> you, pretty good. You know, you're doing something. All um, right. So what, what do we got uh, coming up here before Cooper jumps on with us? Let's uh, let's hit our shout outs. So our, our first one is from Tandy. Tandy left us a five-star Apple review over mm-hmm. on Apple podcasts. Uh, Tandy says, hi, I'm Tandy from central Missouri. I work in industrial construction and travel the Midwest year round in my Ram. The Drew Outdoors 100% Wild podcast gets me through a lot of long hours driving down the highway, not to mention the insane amount of knowledge I've learned. Matt and Tim, keep it up. I wonder which guests he learned the knowledge from. <laughs> Wasn't the ones that was just us. We could probably pinpoint it. All right. So Eric Campbell uh, over on YouTube talked about the Brandon Jennings show. He said, loudest swallow ever. I am deer cast paying. I am a deer cast paying customer. I don't know what that's referring to, to be honest with you. We filmed that. We filmed that Brandon Jennings one like weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, but it launched last week. Um, and and I, I was like, oh, maybe I should go back there and rewatch it and listen for a hard swallow. But <laughs> it's that- lost of time. <laughs> okay. That's what she said. All right, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> so, uh, so just in case if, if folks are interested in the conservation reserve program CRP, and we talk about well, the book came out of CRP, and like CRP is a big part of the hunting world, and just ensuring that there's good habitat. There's a great article over in Deercast right now. Uh, it's called USDA makes a CRP announcement, and there's something like putting like 2.8 million more acres into CRP production. So. Um, so I didn't give away the whole article, but go check it out if CRP is important to you and maybe you've got some property that you're wanting to get uh, get listed. All right. What's next, yeah. man? Let's oh. move on. Now, now it's time for the Rodeo Bow Hunter. Oh, I like that. That should be the title of his YouTube channel, the Rodeo Bow Hunter. <laughs> That's cool. Cooper, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. How about y'all? Not too bad. So, uh, so before we hopped on, so you, you've got your your buckles there behind you for folks that are listening only. Um, you've got some belt buckles behind you on the wall. And then we're kind of teasing some shoulder mounts that you got. Do you think you could pan us up a little bit? So yeah, folks- you bet. Yeah, we got well, the big boys Jeez. right there. Yeah. Most of those deer from South Texas. Uh, where I get to do most of my hunting at. All right. So we were chatting a little bit before you jumped on. So you, you started professionally in 2012 when you turned 18, but I'm sure that you started way before that, actually, you know, the, the interest in bull riding, you're down there in Texas. So what, what spurred this interest and, and what kind of, how old were you when you started doing it? Yeah. So I was, you know, I was probably six years old whenever I started riding horses and, uh, I seen the PBR on TV and, I'd always wanted to ride bulls, but my parents wouldn't let me. Uh, they said it was too dangerous. And uh, my sister ended up dating a guy when I was about 12 or 13 and en- ended up marrying him. And uh, that was my way of my of talking to my parents and to let me ride bulls. And uh, didn't have much of a background and, you know, family doing it or anything like that. So that was my way in. And uh, from the time I've been 
12, 13. I've been getting on bulls ever since. And, uh, it's been a good career. So when you, you know, when you start doing this and, and, you know, like you said, you don't have the background in it. Like what, what, how do you even go about learning to do that? So you're, you know, I can imagine it's just something that a little bit of natural talent comes into play and athleticism, but, uh, I, I know there's ins and outs of it that you gotta, you gotta learn. Is, is it the sister's husband that's is helping teach you and tutor you along or how are you going about this? Yeah. So, uh, his name's Clayton Fultine. He, he had a big part in it. Uh, you know, actually whenever I started being able to travel and, and start my career, uh, professionally, I rodeoed with him for a full year and that helped me a lot. Uh, but from the time I was 12 years old, I was really lucky with, you know, some help around the house. And, uh, there's a guy named David Wisner that, uh, he was, he was pretty critical to the start of my career. He had great bulls for me to get on. And, uh, you know, I just tried to surround myself with people that, that knew a lot about it. And, uh, luckily it all worked out. And whenever I turned 18, I got to travel with Clayton and, uh, made my first NFR and, uh, the rest has kind of been history. So you're number three in the world right now. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I, what is the, that's crazy. I mean, that, that seems like rarefied air for sure. What is the competition like? Like, is it always changing? Are you got guys nipping at your heels all the time? Yeah. So, uh, my first year in the PBR, uh, you know, ended up winning the world finals, which that was my first big win ever. And, uh, the following year I ended up winning the world. And since then, you know, it, it kind of feels like you always have a target on your back and, uh, you know, week in and week out. Uh, I mean, these guys are coming for you and it seems like every year there's a new, new breed of guys that are coming in that are younger and, uh, hungry and, and uh, there's guys from Brazil that when they show up, they they mean it. I mean, they're they're serious. So watch out for the Brazilians. Yeah, well, that's kind of the, that heritage over there. That's the the Brazilians. They've been involved with PBR for for a long, long time, and the and rodeo, and and that's always you always hear about the Brazilians. It's like I don't know what you know what, what kind of training or, or you know if they got like a, you know I don't know what you would call it like a classroom type of uh, college of bull riding down there. But it seems like you're always hearing about the the Brazilians in general and how tough they are. And and, and how good they are at that craft. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, they come over here and they, you know, they're coming over here and they've got one goal and that's to provide for their family. They're, they're looking for a better life. And, you know, us as Americans, yeah, times can get tough sometimes, but even our, our tough times are, you know, dreams for everybody else. So, uh, you know, those guys are coming over here hungry. They're coming over here from dirt floors and, and uh, they're wanting to make something of their life and, and be able to go back to Brazil and, you know, live like Kings. And most of the time they do. So as you're, you know, so you're what you, you're 27, right? Did I read that yes, right? Sir. Yeah. So is that, are you on the kind of the middle of the scale as far as age and, and bull riding? Or are you starting to get up there? Cause you said these younger guys are kind of nipping at your heel and new guys are coming in all the time. Like what, you know, I always think back when we were, you know, hanging out with guys like Justin Bride and JW Hart and, and they were in, you know, they were at the top of their game, but they were probably about your age back, back when we were hanging out with them. And, uh, what, what kind of span time span do you have as a professional in that sport? Yeah. So I'm kind of tipping right now at the, at the mid to, to later part of my career. Uh, you know, 30, I always said I wanted to retire by the time I'm 30. Cause you know, right now I can already feel my body not, not being able to take the hits like it used to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, from the time you're 18 to, 
you know, 30, that's the prime of your career. Uh, there are some guys right now that are still going there to 36 and I don't know how they're doing it, but, uh, I mean, one of the guys from Brazil, he's 36 and he's, I don't think he's ever finished outside the top 10 in the world. Jeez. So it's, uh, I mean, it's, you can have a long career with it, but for me, I think 30 is about the max of what I would want to go. So do you, you know, is there kind of a training regimen that you go through as far as lifting cardio, like those types of things and, and, and quote unquote off season, because, you know, I think back probably back in the early days uh, that I wouldn't think that was part of it, but now it seems like every sport, you know, whatever the sport may be, it, the the athletes that are doing it they train and they you know they take it so much more seriously and and, and to a new level to stay young and, and healthy and and kind of you know succeeding in the sport yeah so uh whenever i got to the pbr i was actually 167 pounds and uh i needed to cut some weight and uh that's a whole other story but you know once i got down and started you know working out and uh, I ended up dropping to like 135 pounds, Oof. which, Oof. you know, that was, that was fighting weight. And that's when I got really, really good. And, uh, you know, it's since then I've, I've stayed on top of my cardio, eating right, uh, treated it more as a, as a sport than, you know, just, well, I'm going to go get on this bull and see what happens. And, uh, that's made a big difference in, in how I ride and, and the success I've had. And you see a lot of guys, now that have seen that, I feel like, and, and they're taking the sport as, you know, just like any other athlete, you know, they're going to show up to the gym every day. They're going to work out. And, uh, because if not, you're going to end up, you know, not doing very well. So, so how about your, your injuries? Like I'm always fascinated because it seems like part of the equation is just trying to stay uninjured. What, what's your list of kind of your highlight injuries been over your career? Low yeah, the biggest thing <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing was uh, I broke my neck last year in 2020 uh, first event in Madison Square Garden uh, collarbone jaws ankles uh, ribs I don't know I mean I've, there's the list could probably go on but uh, yeah I mean you just you know it's part of the sport you know it's coming it's just uh, you know I hate to say when and how bad but that's that's you know the reality of it. And, uh, we all know that. I mean, uh, I lost a friend two weeks ago, a uh, Brazilian guy, he got stepped on and, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a hard reality of the sport. So, hmm. so do you, is it, you know, and forgive the ignorance here, but is it mandatory, mandatory, the, the headgear now, or is that a, still a choice for the individual rider, you know, to kind of at least protect the, the dome, so to speak? Yeah, no, it's for now. Uh, so if you were born, I think it's October of 1994 and beyond, you're required to wear a helmet. Uh, you know, I barely make the cut of not having to, but I've always grown up wearing a helmet. I'm more comfortable in a helmet. And, uh, I mean, it's obviously a safer choice. So I think it's a good move uh, for the PBR to do that because, you know, it's any step you can take in the right direction of keeping your guys safe and have a longer and healthier career. It's, you know, it's, it's a better, better move. Yeah. It's yeah. good for the sport. So something I've always wondered about is when you're, when you're in the shoot, like when you're, you're, you're on, you're on this, you're on this bull and like you're getting strapped in. Sometimes it seems to take forever. And it seems like, I mean, I would be very particular if I was about to be launched out into the arena like that, but what kind of, like, what are you trying to get just right 
that takes so long in that process? Yeah. So a lot of times that bull would be laying on the back of the chute or, uh, you know, kind of leaning to the left or to the right. And you don't want to get beat out of there because if you do, then you're playing catch up the whole ride. But, uh, and a lot of times guys, they just get to being too meticulous on things whenever you can just slide up, like you'll watch a guy rearrange his rope 15 times and it's not doing anything cause it's going to flop around on the bull anyway. But, uh, I mean, a lot of times just, if you just slide up and go and, and not think about it, because uh, if you see a, see a guy in there is taking too long, he's probably thinking about it too much. Mm. Yeah. Overthinking. Yeah. Um, so, so do you have, how do you, how do you balance your time then between PBR and making sure you're having time to get out and bow hunt? Cause I know obviously bow hunting is a big deal for you. Yeah. So, I mean, like we kind of, touched on earlier we were on a, almost like a teacher's schedule so january to may we're going bull riding's full force and then from about may to august we're off so uh you know in in between time right then i had time to go to africa this year and then uh from august to november we're back going again and then november to january we're off so uh november to january i get plenty of time to hunt uh during the week bow season starts october so i get to get to go uh during the week a lot i'm only gone friday saturday sunday most of the time and, and uh so i still get to go pretty much whenever i want to so, so looking at your your stuff you got a youtube page right it's it's about you and your son is that right oh yeah yeah is, take us through that a little bit it looked I, I had a chance to watch a couple of the videos it seems like your son has ate up with it <laughs> yeah so that's the whole reason we started the youtube deal you know kids these days that's all they want to do is watch youtube so uh, he was like, man, let's, he said, dad, let's start a, a YouTube channel. So I started getting the video camera out and, and video and, uh, you know, his hunts and our hunts and stuff like that. So it's just for fun. It's for a hobby right now. And, uh, you know, he enjoys it. I've never seen a kid six years old, love it like he does. And, and it's, uh, it's cool to see because I love to hunt. Uh, it's something my family's always done. Just, just to be able to see that passed on though is, is amazing to me. It's, it's, uh, what makes it all worth it. So you're, you're down there in Texas, which part of Texas are you in? So I live close to Dallas right now. Um, I'm originally from Southeast Texas around Lake Charles, Louisiana, but, uh, yeah, we're pretty much anytime I get a chance to hunt, it's, it's in South Texas or West Texas. Uh, it kind of seems to be the, uh, the deer, you know, there's more deer down there. It's, it's, less hunting pressure, uh, for sure. So, uh, you know, that's, that's where I prefer to hunt. So going over to Africa, that's something that, you know, I, I think, you know, either some, you, it seems like when you talk to guys, either they've always wanted to do it and it's a dream hunt or they have no interest at all and in, in, in going over there. But if you've ever talked to somebody that has been over there and maybe they didn't have an interest before, they're like, oh man, it's amazing. You got to try it. So what was your experiences like over there? Yeah. So, uh, whenever I was a kid, I, you know, my son's age, I'd always tell my dad, I wanted to go to Africa and, uh, a kudu was always like at the top of my list. So, uh, you know, whenever I grew up in 2016, my dad and I went to Africa, just he, just him and I, and uh, it was amazing. I mean, it was just, it, it's everything you would think Africa would be. Uh, you're going to a, a country that's so much different than yours. The culture is so much different. Uh, you know, whenever you, you land and you start driving through towns, it's, it's eye-opening. I mean, how lucky we have it over here. And, and uh, you know, you start, 
you know, really appreciate what you've got over here. So, uh, but as far as the hunting goes, I mean, it's, it's barn on some of the most fun hunting you, you're, you know, most of the time we set over a water hole or, or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it's a trip of a lifetime for sure. And I got to bring my son this year and, uh, he was eat up with it as well. You know, he, he loved it and, uh, got to take some pretty cool animals as well. So how was travel like? Did I'm sure it was a little more difficult going this past summer than say it would have been two years ago. I mean, is it still fairly easy to get over there or was it a real pain to, you know, to, to go through all the processes? Yeah, it was kind of a pain as far as, you know, dealing with the COVID test, making sure you had the right test and, uh, you know, the face mask thing with a six year old, he, he doesn't quite understand that, but he did good. He, he was, uh, he was understanding the whole time about it and he actually traveled better than I did on that plane. You know, that plane rides 20 hours long. So, uh, you know, he slept the whole time and I was uncomfortable, but once we got over there, it was all worth it. And, uh, and we had a blast. I mean, it wasn't, the travel wasn't great, but, uh, it, it wasn't too bad. I'm sure the neck, ankle back ribs all the all the things oh, yeah. have been broken over the years i'm sure a 20 hour plane ride didn't didn't hurt at all all that all that pressure doesn't help uh on the on the broken bones for sure you mean that's got to be part of your calculus you know, when you're when you're when you're laying there like on your back hurt after an injury like how's this gonna affect my bow hunting <laughs> I mean, we, we uh, Matt and I feel we're always talking about our ailments and stuff and how it's impacting our ability to draw or whatever. I can't imagine. We're just two weenies that have office jobs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I, had, I had to hold my mouse funny and uh, Cooper broke his neck. And so <laughs> you have uh, a, a wide range of, um, of gravity there. So like, has your, have your injuries impacted your ability to, to bow hunt? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When it gets close to about October, I start, you know, really worrying about breaking anything because I don't want it running my deer season. So, <laughs> uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I ended up breaking my wrist at the finals. And, uh, you know, I was my first question was, well, can I still pull my bow back? And uh, I tried putting my, you know, I tried putting it any kind of way I could. And it, it just never, never would work. Uh, I never could get my release to fit on right. And, uh, so I ended up having to hunt with a crossbow that year and it was fun. I had a good season, but there's nothing like to me, like being able to pull your bow back and, and do it the way that, you know, I guess I want to. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it gets frustrating though, when you break something and you're out through basically a deer season, that's a, uh, that's the important season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's tough. It's like, that's tough. it's like, all right, you got this job and it, can get in the way of your hobby, but you got to have the job and you got, I'm sure, you know, with any athlete, you got a prime of your career, right? That you got to try to earn as much as you can during that prime. And I'm sure that is a a real uh, internal struggle. Like, all right, do I play it safe or do I, I'm sure there is, I'm sure you don't go through that. Like, do I play it safe here? But you know, in the back of your mind, like you said, you you just know you don't want to break something right there in the fall, knowing that could screw up the the fun part of your season. (laughs) Yeah, there is no playing it safe. Uh, and, you know, like hunting can be an expensive hobby for sure. But, uh, you know, I always say I ride bulls to be able to afford to hunt. And, uh, you know, luckily I've got a backup career. My wife and I started a wedding venue back home and she's got her own career. And, uh, you know, there's there's other irons in the fire, but bull riding is definitely my, 
my main source of income. So, uh, you know, really don't want to really don't want to get hurt in any part of it. When it. But when it comes down to deer season, that's, uh, that's, that's crucial. You know, that, that was something I was, I was wondering about Cooper is that like our buddy, Kyle McClellan, you know, he was a, you know, a major league baseball pitcher and you know retired when he was in his, you know, in his thirties. And it's like, what would, what would you do with yourself when, you know, to be that young and to have accomplished so much, like what's next. And I'm not saying like, you're going to call it quits tomorrow, but you know, in the scheme of things, you're going to be retiring earlier than most folks typically do. Some people don't even ever retire. So, so what, what is kind of on your radar for something to keep you busy and focused and everything? Yeah, I've, I've got to keep busy. I've got a busy, a busy mind. Uh, so, uh, uh, a career path to ride the bulls and the PBR. I'd probably work with the PBR in, in some way, uh, you know, moving towards, uh, the wedding venue and things like that, that, that keeps us pretty busy as well. And, uh, I don't know, my grandpa, he's always, always helped me with business ideas. So I'm sure I'd go start something else and, and just stay busy. I mean, that's, that's my goal is, is just keep moving and, uh, keep doing something. So, well, I think the yeah. wedding venue idea, like that's, really brilliant because that, that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Like that's a, that's amazing. Like if you've ever had a wedding in the last 20 years, you realize how expensive it is. And so, you know, like that's the brides, like they'll do anything for the right venue and for the right setting. And you know what I mean? So that's, that's a pretty smart play, but in general, you look at guys, like we talked about a Justin McBride and JW Hart and those, you know, there are, there are a lot of avenues for, you know, former bull riders to still stay involved in, in, you know, the sport they love. And, you know, like you said, JW, like a lot of the, he used to be one of the announcers, but now a lot of the bulls you guys are riding are, are his bulls and he's him and his wife are a, a fascinating uh follow on on social media too because you get to see the kind of day in and day out of 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 what's going on there at the ranch and jw is such a character man in general he's you know he's like i don't know he's he's one of the best dudes i've ever met but he's he's just an interesting guy in general i think no matter what he's gonna you know you just find a lane that you're you're passionate about and you you go for it yeah what you see is what you get with j-dub and and that's what i always have respected about him and uh but yeah i mean like you said there's always a different avenue with the pbr uh, especially moving forward they've got uh quite a few th- quite a few new things coming up this these next few years and uh you know it's i think it's going to keep the pbr interesting and and uh you know it's there's there's definitely a good career past riding bulls with the PBR for me, I think. If, if you've never audience at home, if you've never gone to one of these events, like they are fascinating. It, it is, especially if you got a young family at, you know, taking the kids to these events, like they, it's entertaining as all get out like they, they put on a hell of a show and uh it's it's really amazing what it's evolved into and and you think about you know you think about what they built that into it's you know in, in the last 15, 20 years, it's really grown to be one of those top sports along with you. You look at, you know, watching it on TV on the weekends or, you know, the, the coverage that they have of it and the stars that have, they've made, you know, or, or kind of have evolved over time. Like PBR is a really, really entertaining sport to go uh, check out if you've never done it before. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a sport that was started by the bull riders for the bull riders. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, 27 years ago, they 
thought it would evolve into what it has, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's provided for a lot of people's families and it's, it's grown into one of the fastest growing sports in America right now. So, uh, I know those guys are proud of it and, uh, you know, I'm proud to be a part of it myself. It's, you know, as a kid growing up, that's, that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, luckily I was able to make that my career and, uh, you know, for all the little kids that are doing that now thinking, man, I wish I could do that one day. Well, probably can. You just got to work a little harder at it than, than uh, everybody else. So, oh, go ahead, Tim. I, I was just going to ask, um, uh, do you guys, are you facing any, uh, any challenges from like the, the anti-animal cruelty groups? And it seems like, it seems like everyone's got a target on their backs from, from these advocacy groups, these animal rights activists. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on where we're at. If we go to New York or Anaheim coming up, uh, there'll definitely be uh PETA out there or whatever, but you know, it's, it's just by lack of knowledge. If they would go out there and, you know, kind of educate themselves on, on what we actually do and how well the animals are taken care of and what makes them buck, you know, there's no flank rope around the testicles or anything like that. Uh, it's just, it, it's a lack of education is why they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those deals that, uh, if, if I had time to sit down and talk to them and they would listen, I, I feel like we'd, we'd end up on the same, same side every time. That's the tough part, you know, cause we see it obviously in what we do. It's the listening part they they just, uh, they got a viewpoint, they got their talking points and they stick to it. And there's a lot of hate towards anybody that's not in line with kind of the, the same viewpoint. And, and you think about it, hunters, you know, it's very similar situation where we're, you know, we're, we're providing, you know, the food plots, the food, the habitat, the bedding, you know, water we're providing for the animals that we're chasing. We're, you know, the, trying to manage the herd in general. It's, it's, I would say it's pretty sim- similar to what you guys are doing in that regard. Like you're trying to, to grow these magnificent animals to their best potential and, and give them a pretty easy, you know, stress-free life for the most part, you know? So I, I, th- I think, you know, we run into similar scenarios where the, the other side just doesn't want to listen to it and they just see the worst, which, you know, the reality of it is, you know, there are some bad parts of what we do, obviously. And at the end of the day, we're trying to, to kill the animal, but as ethically and, and, and humanely as that, as anyone can possibly do that. And, uh, there's a lot that goes into being, uh, at your best to make sure that happens when the moment of truth comes. And I'm sure there's a lot of parallels in that regard with you guys and, and being your best and taking care of the animals, the best that they, that you can. And I'm sure there's the top that, vets in the world are probably looking after these animals, like lead going into these things and, and they're at the event. So uh, like you said, if they just sit down and, and listen to you, you know, and, and let you take them through it, I'm sure, you know, at least at the very least, they might walk away with a small, you know, inkling of an idea like, eh, maybe this isn't exact as black and white as I thought it was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the animal, you can't make him buck if he doesn't want to buck. Uh, they're genetically, uh, you know, born to buck and uh you know there's still you can go put a, a dummy on one which is like a 12 pound fake rider basically and a flank rope and, and know at two years old if they're gonna buck or not and uh you know it's just it, it's interesting to see the animals personalities and and you know they're either gonna buck or they're not though i mean there's no no flank rope or there's no 
uh, magic potion other than genetics that's going to make those bulls want to do their job. And, and, you know, don't get it wrong. They love to do their job. There's uh, the three-time world champion bull bruiser. He'd walk up to the fence and let you scratch him. But when he got to shoot, he got amped up. And that's he knew he was about to go do his job, and he was excited about it. Uh, but, I mean, one of the funniest things I've seen on, on social media is, you know, people saying, well, why can't you go shoot your – or why can't you go get your meat from the grocery store? whenever uh you know about hunting and stuff like that but you know it, it's crazy to me that they'd rather someone go and get their meat from a grocery store not knowing where it came from uh than someone to go put the work in all year long and take care of the animals and and feed the animals make sure they got water and, and all that like you said i mean it's uh it's a year-round deer deal deer season's not just October to January or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's a full-time commitment as, as far as taking care of your deer herd and, and managing it for the right deer and, and those older bucks and stuff. So it's, uh, it's interesting to me. I mean, the whole, the whole, what, what they're focused on is, is just interesting, I guess. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to change any opinion for the most part. We're you know, no. we're not going to change any opinions that, but Hey, that as long as we're still allowed to go live our, our lives and do do what we want. And you know, we got rules and laws and, and things that we got to abide by and, and hell, I'm sure yeah. you guys do as well. Like even in, in that, uh, I'm sure there's certain guidelines and, and, and rules and how, how you got to treat the, the animals and, and the bulls. And Absolutely. so, you know, I, I think all we can do is, is continue to try to, um, ha- have a watchful eye over over all that and make sure we manage our resources the best we can absolutely yeah that's it i mean there's regulations on our spurs on on our bull ropes everything so uh there's nothing that we can do that that's going to harm the animal uh in any way bull riding. yeah it's kind of like the way i hunt nothing i can do to harm <laughs> no shit that's nothing it's got that right <laughs> how about we help our buddy thomas out with uh the question of the day for this week all right so the question of the day is probably brought to you by tacticam share your hunt and stunning high def with a rugged and dependable tacticam camera so this is from thomas niemerg don't call him newman (laughs) and he says uh, how do i adjust my deer cast to the right phase for each one as i want to be efficient as possible with my time it's interesting i I actually just jumped on a podcast uh yesterday last night uh, with a group and and was kind of going through um this very thing and and trying to tell them how to go through the settings and and you know just how much deer cast can do for you um and that that was called talk about it outdoors podcast give those guys a shout out it was really fun so uh basically what you what you want to do to make sure you are in the right phase so in your area so so for instance cooper's down there in texas we probably have a preset uh, for the peak estrus date and what that does is it it will move the phases you know basically it's a sliding scale so i say it moves moves them left to right on the calendar based on where your peak estrus date is and when we created the app, we tried to go in and, and put generic general um, peak estrus dates. We did a, did our homework and tried to put peak estrus dates that fit certain areas of the country. And so it should hopefully already be preset pretty close to what, where it should be. But that doesn't mean it's, it's 100% accurate for your area. So what you need to do is find out what the peak estrus date, or you may know it uh, in your area. Basically, that's the day where 
you feel or, or you know, your local conservation agent or, or whoever it may be, your buddies feel like the bucks are locked down with the does, th- like that that is the peak time where they're mating. And and for us in Missouri and Illinois and, and Iowa and you know, kind of all in that Midwest, it's it's we got it set for November 14th. But you know, you go down south or you go down to like Florida, there there may be 20 different peak ester states because of the different deer herds that live down in Florida. So what you go do is you go into your location area. And, uh, so go into deer cast, you go to your location and what you can do is there's three dots there to the right of when you click your location. And so you can click those three dots and it says, customize your deer cast. You can customize your peak estrus date. And, uh, when you click that button up to customize it, the E will kind of highlight and you can click the calendar date and move it up or down to, to whatever the date is that you feel like your peak estrus is. So what that does is it will slide the entire phase scale to the left or the right, basically to fit the date range that, that we feel like the, the phases should be. So if peak estrus is, uh, typically phase, don't quote me on this. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think it's phase six or seven. And, um, basically what that'll do, if yours is like January 5th, you know, and you're down the South and it's a later peak ester state, it will move the entire, it'll slide the entire phase range to the right is the easiest way to think about it. And then everything should line up where those factors and the algorithm will, uh, predict deer movement as closely as it can for your area based on that peak ester state. So that's, that's, I don't know, Tim, if you want to elaborate on it at all, but that's kind of the, the 30,000 foot view of, of what that does. Yep. No, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head and especially for, uh, for someone like, uh, for, for someone like Thomas who has multiple areas where they're going to hunt, especially if they're, if they're uh, at a distance from each other, it's possible that the, those the peak ester states could be different by a few days and that will change the way they hunt. So if there's one thing you can do to your deer cast to make it as accurate as possible, it's ensuring you've got the right peak estrus for your hunting location. So like Matt said, DNR is probably your best bet on uh, figuring out what the locate, what the peak estrus is for your location. Yeah, that's right. And I know like Mark, uh, you know, he hunts down in South Texas and around the Albany, Texas area. And, um, you know, he changes the peak estrus on, on his. So, you know, it's, it, it, even though we've tried to set it close, we, we aren't the experts for your area. So definitely we gave you that control to be able to go in and change it and, and slide that scale left or right to fit, you know, fit your specific hunting needs. That's right. Okay. How about that wildlife word? All right, Cooper, be prepared to have your mind numbed <laughs> not blown numbed <laughs> <laughs> the wildlife word is brought to you by the stanley sportsman series of insulated bottles featuring iconic prints from mossy oak plus a blaze orange set insulate your beverage in the colors of conservation with stanley Ooh-wee. so in honor of dove season our uh, <laughs> wildlife word is about doves what are baby doves called are they called A, chunky little monkeys, That's B, dovettes, C, squabs, or D, doverinos? 
Cooper, we always let our guests go first. So I feel like Chunky Little Monkeys, even though that's a funny one, I, I think that's a ringer. Like that's probably not the right answer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got a ring to it, but uh, I guess I'm going to go with C. Swabs. Uh, I don't know. I've never, I guess I've never read that much into it. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I'm going with you. See, squabs. But uh, I don't know. Something about Dovettes and Doverinos I like as well. <laughs> so, sounds like something I could eat. Doverinos. <laughs> if, if Matt can eat it, it's good. You guys are actually right. They are called squabs. There you go. We're geniuses, so, yeah. Cooper. <laughs> yeah. You like wildlife biologists. That's how I used it. to take all my tests in school. It was like process of elimination or, okay, chunky little monkeys. I don't think so. Dovettes, eh, Dovettes. All right. See, it is. <laughs> That's it. I'm a bull rider. So I've got a process of elimination is about as good as it gets for me. I'm not, I'm not uh, paid to be smart. <laughs> I'm with you, man. <laughs> yeah. Now what I don't know is where the word squab came from. It's such a weird, sounds like a, a weird word. Sounds like a pirate name. <laughs> <laughs> squab the deck, maybe. Sweet. Well, if you um, haven't been dumbed down yet, that's, uh, that's our daily dose for, 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 the, yeah, for the day. Yeah, no. No joke. We should say thank you to, to Ryan Doss for connecting us with Cooper. And uh, Ryan was our DeerCast li- our podcast listener that reached out and made the connection. So Ryan, appreciate that. Man. So, so Cooper, how many dates do you guys go on? Like in a season, what, you know, what would be your, you know, say you weren't in, didn't get any injuries. Like how many rides will, will you do in a season? Yeah. So like our elite season is, is, uh, 30 events a year. And then we've got the world finals, which is always like the first week of November, last week of October. Uh, so there's 30 regular season events. Uh, and if you want to go to more like lower level events, you can go pretty much all weekend or every weekend. But, uh, I tend to stick to just what I'm required to go to, uh, give my body a little bit of time to rest in between. And, and how much time is in between typically? Uh, you know, four or five days. Um, <laughs> you know, not much, but then, uh, you know, we've got May to August to kind of get everything back together. And then, uh, November to January, that's, that's time off as well. So, so in those four days, are you, is it weight training cardio or literally just during the season like that? Are you trying to rest, you know, rest the ailments, so to speak? You know, Monday is normally kind of a, a rest day, uh, you know, cause I'm normally really sore uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, kind of slowly working my way back up and, and stretching and then, uh, cardio and then might do a little weight training in between. But, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of weighed it both ways and, uh, you know, it's good to be strong pound for pound, but as far as weight training and getting bulky or, or super, you know, strong is, uh, it really doesn't help your bull riding. So core and balance, that's, that's kind of where it's all at for me. Interesting. So, so do you, is it, do you do, what do you do for core workouts? Is it, you know, medicine ball stuff and, and, and those types of things or, you know, band work or what are you talking about? A lot of medicine ball, uh, hanging abs. Uh, I've got like this balance thing that, you know, literally you sit there and you, you know, try to balance on this, on top of this balance thing. I don't even know what it's called, but, uh, it's like a roller. But, uh, yeah, we'll do that. And then, uh, you know, you can 
do like a squat on that and stick your leg out and you know it, it ends up being a, a whole body workout hmm. uh, which is what you know really core legs that's that's what you need to be strong whenever you're riding a bull maybe you should be a trainer when you get done <laughs> a trainer yeah. for the bull riders yeah no I've, I've got some kids uh you know that younger guys coming up that you know i definitely take the time to work with them and and uh that might be something to work on in the future as well no doubt well we appreciate you you jumping on with us i'm, I'm sure you're busy and and uh taking the time out to to jump on with us we really appreciate it and hope that not only you have the best of, of luck finishing out the the bull season but most importantly deer season hopefully you guys <laughs> kill a monster down there and your son gets the biggest deer of the year yes sir and no, i appreciate it i thank you guys for having me on the show and uh Anytime I get to talk about deer hunting, it's a, it's a good day. So absolutely. Heck yeah, definitely keep us in the loop on your season. And the exciting thing is that next time we catch up with you guys, the audience for the show, it's going to be deer season in Missouri and a lot of other places around the country. So it's go time. I'll be in Kansas actually, most likely by then early season muzzleloader. Here we go. Here we go. It's about to hit. May not be ready, but here we go. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Hey, hey, Cooper, where can people follow you at before we uh, let you go? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram. Uh, I think my name is Cooper T D A V. Uh, Got a Twitter. I don't know what the name is on that. And then Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook. What's your uh, YouTube channel with your son? And then our YouTube channel is Mac and Dad Outdoors. Love it. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it, man. Same here. All right. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for tuning in. Have great starts to your deer season, and we will catch you next week. Until next time, peace out. The results are in. DeerCast said it was supposed to be a great night. Well, here you go. DeerCast said great. It doesn't exist anywhere else but in DeerCast. Hunters love DeerCast's exclusive deer movement forecast. Get ahead of your game with DeerCast.